Welcome, everyone. I'm excited to welcome you to this first episode of the Sunflower Podcast, a podcast exploring children's palliative care around the world. Sunflower Podcast brings curiosity, humor, and reflection to the world of children's palliative care. We're going to explore the joys and challenges of working in this incredible field. So whether you're a nurse, physician, social worker, counselor, or another type of health worker, or just someone who's interested in learning more about children's palliative care, then this podcast is for you. I'm one of your hosts, Megan Doherty, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Natasha Datu, a specialist in children's cancer and palliative care. Natasha works at Canuck Place Children's Hospice in Vancouver, Canada, and she's going to tell us more about her work in palliative care today. So let's get started. Natasha, it's so nice to have you here today, and um, maybe you do want to just first introduce yourself a little bit for everybody and uh, tell us a bit about what you do. And Yeah, for sure. So um, my name is Natasha Datu. I am a pediatric oncologist um, and a pediatric palliative care doctor uh, in Vancouver, Canada. So I work in the oncology department at BC Children's Hospital, which is the main pediatric hospital in our city, as well as Canuck Place Children's Hospice, which is a, uh, what it means, children's hospice. Um, so I spend my time half in oncology and half in pediatric palliative care. Awesome. And it's so great to have you with us. And I know that um, like one of the really interesting things about palliative care is that it's it's a bit more holistic, you were saying to me, and, you know, just kind of how we can really broadly, like help kids out. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about like, kind of how that happens as a team in palliative care and what you see? Yeah, for sure. So um, maybe I'll start with kind of how I got into palliative care, because I think that sort of describes a little bit of the magic of palliative care. And so um, I moved from Ontario, which is a province in Canada to British Columbia, which is another province to do my pediatric oncology fellowship training. And um, at our Royal College here, every pediatric oncology training does a month of palliative care. And so I got to do it at Canuck Place, which is the the pediatric hospice here in Vancouver. Um, And, you know, the first day that I walked into the hospice, I sort of fell in love with the team and the environment and the approach that they had to caring for children and families. So it was pretty special. I, I then went on to finish my oncology fellowship and I, um, I finagled my way in to do a second training fellowship in palliative care um, because I think it's, it's an area of medicine that not a lot of people really understand but it's an area of medicine that I think can help almost any child or family living with serious illness. So I think that some of the amazing things about palliative care are that it really can support a holistic, individualized approach to care for any child who's living with a serious illness. And I think that one of the key pieces is living with. (laughs) So I think that palliative care um, in the adult world is usually focused on the imminent dying period. That's shifting as well, which I think is great. But I think pediatric palliative care is actually a little bit more advanced in, in that context that we follow children who have any kind of serious illness, and they're just living with uncertainty. So it's really hard to to live with the ups and downs and not knowing what next week's going to bring or the week after. And and that takes a toll on families and their, their parents and their siblings. And so pediatric palliative care is really there to support 
the physical aspect of, of kids who have serious illness. So if they're not feeling well with their symptoms, if they're having pain or they're having nausea, whatever their diagnosis may be, one of the key specialized pieces that we can do is, is help help manage their physical symptoms. But another aspect is how we can support their emotional health, their social health, their spiritual health, and their families. So one of the things that I noticed really when I walked into the hospice was it was actually a very fun place to be. You know, when I walked in, we had, you hear kids running around and playing and their siblings playing. You see, you know, our recreational team, you know, outside in the garden playing tag with the kids. You smell the cookies being baked by our chefs who work at the hospice. It's really actually an uplifting place because the goal is to help kids and their families live as long as possible and as best as possible. So, um, yeah, I think that's one of the, the key pieces that drew me into pediatric palliative care. And I hope people gain from hopefully listening to this is that it's actually not as sad of a specialty as people always think of. It's of course sad. I think there's, there's, there is crying and there's tears. Um, and there's a lot of emotional pieces that are hard, but I think that families never have to be alone in that. And I think that's also quite rewarding, but in general, it's, it's a very, um, bright area of medicine, which is something that, um, is not what you would think of, I think. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it is really special. And, you know, we're both honored to be working in this field myself also tell me some of the like really neat and special things you've seen. Um, that Canuck Place and the team has been able to do for some of the, the patients that you work with? Yeah. So, you know, we have, we, we, we are a whole group of people and I think most palliative care teams, um, you know, in a, in a developed country have, have some aspects of this in their own palliative care teams, but we're a whole group of people. So doctors, nurses, nurse practitioners, um, chefs, like I said, recreational therapists, counselors, social workers, um, volunteers who all work together, like I said, to to really allow kids to live and do all the things that kids are supposed to do, even if they have a serious illness. So, um, you know, our rec team is quite magical. Um, and one of the things we really try and do is individualize the care. So how do we do fun things for kids who, you know, may not actually survive into adulthood or or may not actually survive into fulfilling the dreams that they always had, right? So, um, you know, I can think of a teenage girl who she was actually a star basketball player um, and had played basketball for very, pretty much her whole life. Um, and she was the star player on her, her school team. And she unfortunately got very severe metastatic bone cancer and she went through all sorts of treatment she had an amputation. She um, had all sorts of chemo and unfortunately um, had a relapse and she was getting quite sick quite quickly. And our rec team, um, you know, reached out to her and said, what, 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 what could you do if you could choose one thing that you wanted to do? And she said that she'd always wanted to go skydiving. And so to her parents, I think, <laughs> dismay, um, we were magically able to make that happen. And how that works, you know, you'd have to ask our rec team, but we were able to take her to um, a field where they do skydiving. There was a specialized coach who went up with her. They had a special kind of 
um, equipment that would, you know, allow her to feel more supported and safe. Um, the docs were able to order her some extra pain medication. So she would be comfortable through the whole event. And actually she, she really did skydive. She jumped out of a plane, um, with an instructor and the whole thing was on video and she actually enjoyed it so much. She asked to do it again. So she got to skydive, um, twice before she actually, um, passed away. And, you know, I think her family, um, appreciated that there was a group of people who, whose job was really to, to focus on what she wanted to do, not just her illness and who she was as a person and what were her hopes and dreams. So that, that always sticks with me as kind of a magical, a magical thing that we were able to make happen. And that's, that's really what palliative care is, is, is how do we, how do we make kids dreams happen, even when they're not feeling well? well that sounds so amazing. <laughs> so, so wonderful that you could make that happen for her. What about some of the, like the littler things, you know, so maybe some of the younger kids, they don't have uh, such a, a big activity they want to do, but um, I know that the team makes a lot of small wishes happen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, I think um, one of the things that, you know, we do is we take, um, if kids are staying at the hospice or they're at home, we go on outings quite a bit just to, you know, the local things that, uh, you know, a, a child who doesn't have a serious illness or a sibling who's not living with a brother or sister in serious illness could do on the weekend with their family. So I think that's a huge piece is, you know, when you're a sibling who's living with um, a medically complex brother or sister, a lot of time is often taken away from you. The things that I think is, you know, not as dramatic or spectacular, but is really incredible is there's been a few times where we, what we do is we ask the sibling, like, what do you want to do with your brother or sister? And um, one of the things that one brother or sister said is they they wanted to see um, horses. So I don't know if this, the, the, the sicker child wanted to, but the siblings really wanted to see um, horses. And so um, they were they were staying. There was a, a family who was staying at the hospice. Um, they traveled from Victoria and they had some appointments at the hospital. So they were staying with us. It was a child who had um, a, a chronic complex illness and um, they were getting progressing and um they were staying with us for appointments and also you know so we could see them in person again we've been following them when um they were at home and our rec team you know they have some i don't know magical connections they met, I, I showed up at the hospice and there was three ponies in our garden <laughs> and i have no idea how they got there but it was wild and the, the siblings were running around and taking photos and you know the, the child who was sick um it, he'd had a brain tumor for a long time and had deficits related to that. And he, he wasn't feeling well that day, but it, it, I was just talking to the photographer who was, who was there taking some photos. And she said, she magically got him to smile a couple times when he was close to the pony and when he was watching his siblings have fun. So, um, you know, again, that's a, a big thing, but, you know, taking families to the aquarium or taking, you know, siblings out to the mall, Actually, we do a lot of outings just to the mall when, you know, younger kids just want to go out and walk around with their families. So that's, you know, a lot of the things that we can do are really just supporting moms and dads take their their healthier children out because we can take a nurse um, to the mall or we can take a nurse to the the aquarium or the zoo um, with them so they can actually focus on the whole family. 
So those are some of the things that I think um, really bring joy, I think, to families and children. And I think are not able to be supported by the the main medical system, right? Mm-hmm. That's that's not things that as doctors we train to to think about doing. So I think I think we're pretty privileged, like you say. <laughs> yeah, we get to it sounds like you get to write prescriptions for ponies, which is, <laughs> is kind of a fun idea. And how have you seen, you know, like we've we've talked about all these really enhancing experiences that you can you can facilitate through palliative care. How do you think like what have you seen in the children after these experiences? Like how does this kind of change um how they're coping or what they're how they're feeling? I think it's kind of magical because kids are really just meant to be kids, right? Even when they're really not feeling well, they, they just want to play or they want to, you know, be close to their mom or dad or hang out with their brother or sister, or eat a meal. The difference that you see in, you know, not just their physical symptoms, because, you know, I always tell the family, our, our brain and our body is linked, right? So if our, if our brain is feeling happy and joyful, then our body often feels better. So, you know, I, I really have seen, especially in kids who, you know, are nonverbal and are in a wheelchair and they can't tell me they're feeling better, but you see it in their demeanor, right? You know, if a family's happy and they're less stressed, right? So sometimes we have kids who come into the hospice for what we call symptom management. So, you know, their parents have called and said they're, they're crying at home. They're, they won't settle down. You know, we can't, they won't eat. They keep throwing up or they're not tolerating their food. We just don't know what's wrong. And they'll come into the hospice and mom and dad have someone there, a a skilled palliative care nurse to take care of the child and and look at the symptoms. They have, you know, a bed to sleep in knowing that they're close, but someone's taking care of their child. They get some sleep. Maybe they get a shower. Um, They have counselors around them and, and you see the stress level for the whole family unit, just, just come down a notch. And there are so many times where the medically complex child's physical symptoms also calm down. And it's, you know, we've seen it over and over because, you know, if a child can't tell you that they're just so worried that their mom and dad is so stressed and, you know, exhausted from, from caring for them, they, they manifest it as physical symptoms and they come Mm -hmm. to the hospice. And, and so I think, you know, we think about it as a pain and symptom management admission, but it it really is a respite admission for the family. And so we do see that a, a lot actually. And I think it's one of the most important parts of what we do is, is, is supporting moms and dads and any caregiver caring for children with medical needs. Um, So that's one of the things I've noticed, you know, is, is children sense stress and moms and dads are stressed and that's, that's understandable. Um, But that's one of the kind of physical aspects that I've seen shift in kids who are coming in. Yeah, definitely. I love how you're saying that like mind body connection that's there for all of us. And sometimes we forget about that in a child who can't verbalize it for us I guess yeah yeah for sure yeah I want to I want to bring up a point you touched on earlier just about siblings and you mentioned like how it's how important it was you know you gave the example of the pony visit for the for the siblings of the child who was ill Uh, what have you been your experiences like what do siblings need when they have a seriously ill brother or sister what helps them yeah I think you know I think siblings take on so much of the family unit. And, you know, it depends on how old the siblings are, but I think the commonality is they love their brother or sister, but they also love their mom and dad. And sometimes they don't really understand why their mom and dad is always gone or at the hospital. And so I think, you know, I, I've learned so much from 
you know, my, my colleagues who, who are either play therapists or counselors and, and actually thinking about the sibling as, you know, a huge part of the family unit, I think they just want to feel included and they want to feel loved and supported by their mom and dad. And they also often want to help, right? Like they want to be part of what's going on with their brother or sister. So, you know, it's really nice sometimes when kids come to the hospice and their siblings come and they are all able to participate in an activity together. Mm -hmm. Like for example, just this past Easter, we had, um, we had a, you know, an Easter egg decorating chocolate egg, you know, event with, um, families and children. And we had this, you know, person who makes chocolates come in and, you know, we just have these like photos and videos of this huge round table and, you know, so many of our medically complex kids who are, um, in their wheelchairs at the table and their brothers or sisters are, you know, they're decorating together. They're, they're decorating one egg and they're helping and they're, and I, I, I remember thinking that day, like, that's what kids, that's what siblings need, right? That's what they need. They just want to feel part of everything that's happening and play with their sibling. So to be able to do that and, you know, and that's like pretty simple when we think about it, but having, you know, a facility that's accessible, right? Like having a table that's high enough for a wheelchair, but also for the siblings to sit at the same level so they can actually decorate an Easter egg together versus is is not always possible in families' homes, right? They're not all adapted. And so actually the physical space to just allow siblings to sit at the same level as their brother or sister's wheelchair um, and the parents to feel safe that there's a nurse nearby so they can actually really just participate in the activity is I think what um, what palliative care can help support siblings in um, and what their needs are just in terms of feeling connected to their sibling or family unit. Well, I want to thank you so much for for sharing with us today. It's been a a great launch to our podcast and uh, we'll hope to have you back on the show in the future. 